Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, I thank you for those who are here today. Father, ultimately, you are the teacher, the instructor. Open, uh, frankly, Lord, you, you're the one that, that opens eyes and, and, and does all that stuff, Father. I'll do the talking, you do the teaching, though, Lord, and we'll, we'll honor you. For, for what you accomplish. In Jesus' precious name. Amen? Amen. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Now, looking at that, because we've watched the Hollywood movies of, uh, you know, the, the Passion of the Christ and, and all the various movies we watched growing up, you probably have a picture of 12 men walking with him. But I want to add to what you think the Bible says, what exactly the Bible really does say. In verse 10, same chapter, we discover that Jesus ordained 70 new leaders. It says in verse 10, same chapter, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others. The King James Version says 70. Now, if you know anything about Jesus, he does not disciple at a distance. He, he's not a, a parent that's, you know, kind of a, a latchkey parent. When he uh, raises up a leader, he trained them. They became part of his team, and he was with them daily. In fact, Scripture says that he would teach the crowd, but in the evening, he would uh, explain further to the disciples all the things that, that he had taught. So we see that he has had uh, 12 men that he anointed to be apostles, and he appointed them to that ministry. But in the early part of this chapter, we see that 70 to 72 others are uh, added. The King James Version, again, says 70. I'm more comfortable with 70. It's more even number. But the point is, at this juncture, we see Jesus with upwards of 80 people following in his honorage. So our image of who Christ is, a lot of folks, what they do is they get stuck on their traditions. They get stuck on, on what they've been taught. But we have to learn to make room for Scripture. We need to adjust our traditions based on the Word of God. Does anyone agree with me here? Now, on top of the 70 other men, you'd think it stopped there. But in Luke 8, we get some further insight. And again, the Bible's about to mess up your theology. Not only did men travel with Jesus, we're about to discover that women traveled with him also. Scripture says, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another. And what was he doing? proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So he was teaching and moving from city to city. The 12 were with him. That picture's right. But it says here, and also some women. According to scripture, there were women in the band. There were 12 disciples plus that were moving with Jesus from city and village to village. And then it begins to enunciate, or, or the Bible begins to, to, to mention at least three of some of the most outstanding women that were traveling with him. It says here, some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Then he lists uh, three names. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. So obviously this was a lady with a past. Uh, number two, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's, you know who Herod is, right? He's the, 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 the actual, the, the sub-king, if you will, the tetrarch of the entire region. 
So she worked uh, for government, if you will, but she was very, very high up in government. And the Bible says she was manager of Herod's entire household. He had a tremendous estate, and this woman managed it. So, again, we, we see uh, uh, this woman with, with a past, this lady with a past, but now we, we're also introduced to this woman with some management expertise. So we, a woman with a past, now a lady with some skills. Verse 3, or number 3, the third woman mentioned, we see a woman named Susanna. Uh, in the Hebrew, the actual rendering here is closer to Soshana, and what it means is lily. And lily was a, is a very beautiful flower. So we have a, a woman with this past, and, and you might see some wrinkles in her face because of all she went through in her life. And then you have this businesswoman, this woman that, that, that was uh, on point, as sharp as a tack. But then also you, you see this, this list of women balanced out with this woman named Lily. She was probably a lady with some beauty. She, she was probably just, you know, she was a good-looking woman. And then the Bible goes on to say something else. And many others, would you say with me, many others? Scripture says, not some others, but many. Some would be the three they mentioned. But the Bible says many others traveled with Jesus. So at times, Jesus could have upwards of 100 people with him. So when Jesus went to a place, it was a big deal. And uh, he was a hub of, of, of activity, and, and tents would be set up where, where, where they slept for the night. And, uh, you know, of course, the women slept apart from the men unless uh, they were married. But we don't find the disciples typically traveling uh, with their, their wives. But there, there were camps set up. There were numerous fires. There was, there was noise. There was laughter. And then Jesus, later in the night, might pull them aside and continue to train them. Remember, Jesus is training for his absence. He's about to die. And he's going to leave the entire planet in the hands of these people. So he's investing very intentionally and intensely into these leaders. And you can't just have, you know, a six-day, six-hour school day. Uh, He was with these people 24-7 often uh, because, again, he's about to go off the scene. Luke 10 and 38, let's pick it up again. As Jesus and his disciples... This is a a significant crowd. We're on their way. Again, we can't be certain how many disciples were actually with him at this event. But, you know, just in case, you know, a few of them had to go back to the farm for some reason or or something was going on in their families, let's just say, you know, maybe there was only 50 people. Let's just be extremely conservative. But the point is, there's a whole lot of people about to come to Martha's house. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home, meaning she owned this home. This was her house. She opened her home to him. It appears that Martha uh, was somehow the head of her household. Now, I don't know if she was widowed. I don't know if she came into an inheritance. The Bible doesn't give us this, 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 the, the background here. But she was the one that offered the invite meaning she was responsible for everything that happened in her house, and hospitality was taken very seriously at this point in history. So when she took the onus of allowing Jesus' team to come into her house, she was really taking on a situation. In verse 39, Scripture says, She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. 
Now, because we're thousands of years removed, we can miss the original import of this statement. But Scripture says that she sat at Jesus' feet. In the ancient world, this was just a little bit unusual. Because when you sat at the feet of some, somebody, what you were saying is that you were that person's disciple. And in this time in history, only men, or primarily men, were, 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 were drafted or trained to be disciples of a senior rabbi. Uh, women were not permitted to operate typically at this level. Now, unless you think I'm just talking, let's take a look at Acts 22 and verse 3 and allow Scripture to be its own commentary. It's very important that we do that. We're going to look at it in the New King James Version. The NIV accurately interprets it, but the verse is far more literal in the NIV. I'm sorry, the New King James Version, as well as the NEV. And listen to Paul's language. He says, I am indeed a Jew. He's talking about his uh, pedigree to those who question him. Born in Tarsus of Cilicia. But, yeah, I was born, you know, outside of Jerusalem. But I went back to Jerusalem. And guess where I was trained? But I was brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. It said what? At the feet of who? Now, where was Mary sitting? The Bible records. At the what? Feet. The way the ancients stated that a person was a disciple of another was by saying you sat at the feet of that particular rabbi. So it did not just mean that you overheard a session that a rabbi was teaching. It means that the rabbi accepted you on some level into his or her, well, in this time, his, his school. 10 and 39. Martha has a sister called Mary. How does the Bible describe Mary? As a woman who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now here's the question. Do you sit where the world says your place is? Or do you sit where the master says your seat is? Now, at this time, Jesus is upending culture. Everybody's aware of what's going on in this house. The men are sitting at the master's feet saying by by their positioning in the room that they're disciples. But right behind the men actually could be confused in with the men is this woman, Mary. And you would think that Jesus would stop and say, well, you're out of order, lady. You know, I, I, I will not accept it. I will not t- stop it. No, you go back to your place. None of that happens. The Bible says she's sitting at the feet of Jesus with the other men. But Martha, and by the way, she could have sat there too. But she was too distracted by her role. She was too distracted by being what she thought a woman ought to be. She was divided and disturbed, distracted by all the preparations that had 
to be made. Now, remember, this lady had a lot of house guests. This was not like you inviting a few people over to a barbecue on Saturday. This was more like a block party. This was more like a family reunion. It was a big event. Hustle and bustle is going on. And even the neighbors, you know, have heard that, you know, this great figure, that the rabbi Jesus who's doing miracles has come into a house. So my, my guess is not only were that these people there, but, but the odds are people from the town began to also look in through the windows to spy on what's going on. And scripture says, though, that while Mary sat at the master's feet, there's a lot of movement going on here. Amen. That's... Scripture more literally says this. Martha was distracted about by much service. That's what it literally says. The various translations word it uh, more smoothly. But the literal rendering here is Martha was distracted about much service. Service can be a distraction. A good thing can become bad when you start to try too hard. Martha was so concerned about pleasing the people, about making sure no one talked about her when the party was over. And you know, when we go to someone's house and, and we, we, you know, we, we go to the barbecue or, or the dinner and, and on the way home, you know, sometimes even before you get in the car, you start talking about the napkins, you start talking about the bathroom, you start talking about the kids, you start talking about everything that went on. And Martha was fully aware of what was going to happen. But what Martha did is she allowed service to get in the way of her worship. Jesus is not as hard to please as some of us would make him. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? It's funny how we're always trying to get people caught up in our gripe and our complaint. How, you know, we, 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 it's not enough to have it ourselves. We got to get other people involved and, and turn the whole room toward those we think we're angry about. It seems that Martha had a religious spirit. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me? Jesus, don't sit there calmly. You need to be upset with me. And again, you know, upset and, and, and complaints and gripes, they, they're contagious, and people with them are not happy until they're shared. And I know in my house, if it's like your house, when mama's upset, everybody's upset. <laughs> my sister has left me to do the work myself. It is lonely being a workaholic. You live in a constant state of abandonment. Because everyone else won't join you in your dysfunction. This was the case with Mary. And she's like, you know, she had this martyr syndrome. I'm the only one who cares. I'm the only one working for Jesus. You lazy, no good people. Y'all just sitting there enjoying the grace of God. And, and I'm up here working and slaving and, and sweating. And Jesus has to address this religious 
spirit. I just heard some folks talking about, you know, they want old-time religion. What we need is old-fashioned Bible. You see, in the, the old covenant, there were 613 commandments given by God. How many think that might be enough? But then on top of that, the rabbis added hundreds of other commandments. And Jesus rebuked the people. He said, listen, you, you, the, the traditions of men, the traditions of the rabbi, the tradition of your denomination, the traditions of your fathers and mom and dad and them, are you hearing me, have made the word of God to no effect. The only thing, according to Jesus, that's stronger than the word of God is often our traditions. And here we see this woman. She's doing a traditional thing a woman thinks she ought to do. And she finds herself upset and, and worried and distracted by, by much service. And, and she gets angry. And sometimes our traditional view of things will end us up with us being angry. Some of the most angry people I know are people who've been in church 30, 40 years. Fighting over petty doctrines. Fighting over stuff that don't even matter about nothing. Dividing families and households over nonsense. Whether a woman should wear pants. Whether she has to wear a hat. And all the silliness. She came to him. And ask, and really in this asking is a statement. You know, religious people have a way of, of, of passive-aggressively striking you. Yes. Am I preaching good? Very <laughs> good. Lord, don't you care? My sister has abandoned me. She need to be working and sweating like I'm sweating. She need to be mad and upset like I'm upset. Man, she is sitting at your feet with a smile on her face. Next to the men at that. That Jezebel need to change her shirt. She need to put on a longer dress. That, that Jezebel need to take off them shoes and come be miserable with the rest of us women. And then she has the nerve to say, she's starting to order Jesus. Tell her to help me. You better show some leadership, Jesus. Don't let all this crazy stuff going on in your house. I thought you were a leader. I thought you, you were able to, to, to control things and, and, and things were holy around you. This is unholy for a woman to be sitting with your men while the women are working. You need to really get into what's happening. Some folks have made holiness a bad word. We, just, we sing about holiness. Holiness to me, that's a beautiful word. The Bible calls it the beauty of his holiness. And then it, just, and then it goes on, the psalmist goes on to, to explain, his mercy endures forever. Here's the, here's the psalm. Praise the beauty of his holiness, that his mercy endures forever. His, his holiness, he's saying, God is totally set apart and sanctified to his mercy. To his kindness and his love. He will never change his mind about that which he has said. 
He is holy. And because he's holy, I am not consumed. All right, let's go back. Jesus looks up from the teaching. I mean, he was saying some powerful stuff. But here Martha interrupts the work of God for her religion. Be careful not to interrupt the move of the Spirit over how long a dress is. God knows how to handle all that. Give the person time. They'll work it all out. But when I first met him, he met me as I was and accepted me. And then he began to work on me and improve me. But we don't all start out that way. Give people space. He said, Martha, Martha. He could have answered a lot of ways. But watch what he says. You, you're all focused on Mary, all up in her business. But you're the one with the real problem. You, he's not even talking about Mary. You are worried and upset about many things. Mary's over here chilling. Mary ain't got no problems in the world right now. And you're the one all upset. You're worried. And, and you see, the reason why we focus on others is because we don't want to have to deal with all the stuff going on in our own hearts. So we're mad at them and, and mad at them. So, so we, again, we, we don't feel our own frustration. So, so she gets a focus off of all the misery in her and she focuses on her sister. And she says, you're worried and upset. How many in this room, if you're honest, you'd have to admit most of the time, I'm worried and upset. Many of us frequently, this is our regular MO mode of operation. We live out of worried and upset. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.